0: So welcome back to Writing Muse and Writing Mentor. I'm Jeanette de Beauvoir and today I'm feeling philosophical, so let's talk about writing and politics for a few minutes. I'm going to be asking a lot more questions here than I'm answering. I hope you're up for that. So let's start with this one. What is considered political when we're writing fiction? Are we just talking about works dealing with topics like war, oppression, instability, or just injustice? Or is it also anything regarding social identity and issues like race, gender, or economic class? I've always maintained that creating feelings of empathy is one of the greatest roles that fiction can play. But, Lately, I've been wondering whether creating empathy might be a political end in itself. For example, is it a political belief that empathy is good, or that there's such a thing as shared humanity? What about writers and readers who appear to fall short of that ideal? Is it true that reading, especially of the quote-unquote great books, is educative and character and society improving? See, for example, I always wonder about Stalin. He was a voracious reader of literature and history, and incidentally, a loving family man to boot, who was still one of modern history's biggest monsters. So there are a few questions that present themselves. Is there a duty or a responsibility of writers to take a stand against injustice or make political statements in their work? And if so, Does this make the work too didactic or heavy-handed, which possibly subtracts from its appeal? I will say that my publisher has kept me from going down that road on more than one occasion. But if not, does the writer risk accusations of withdrawal or ignorance or cowardice, especially if they feel they should somehow quote unquote know better based on their time and place? It's something akin to a writer's version, I suppose, of the quote-unquote good German. And here we've reached the center of the issue as I see it. Is a writer's attempt to avoid anything remotely related to politics itself a privilege? Or in times of political danger or instability, which frankly, folks, is really all the time, is there value in creating fiction that allows the writer and their readers an escape from this reality, however brief or superficial? Is all fiction escapist in some sense, or is that modifier appropriate only to popular quote unquote genre fiction? As you can imagine, I have some opinions about genre fiction since I write both mystery and historical fiction. But <clears throat> here's a question. Is it possible to read mystery, romance, thriller, or fantasy novels as completely apolitical? Maybe. But if you think so, I think you're missing something. The stories a writer chooses to tell or chooses not to tell is itself a political expression. For example, the version of the romance novel that a lot of people cling to is often an affirmation of the status quo and therefore is on the side of the patriarchy or other oppressors. So even with the bodice rippers, you don't get away from politics. So is it fair to say that the best works of fiction combine a sense of personal, individual, or particularly aesthetic quality with something bigger than the particular story? A sense of collective, universal human solidarity or longing for justice? And how important is the author's identity itself and how they're read? How important is the reader's identity and how they interpret a work? How does the reader's knowledge of or assumptions about a writer's identity and biography either facilitate or preempt charges of cultural appropriation? Is that kind of charge only accessible to various minorities or only against? I want to share some other people's words here with you. Cynthia Ozick, an American writer most famous for the shawl, has been primarily a writer of the Holocaust and its aftermath. She appears to refute Theodor Adorno's famous and probably misunderstood, quote, that to write a poem after Auschwitz is barbaric. In her book, Quarrel and Quandary, there are several essays that deal directly with the issue of politics and fiction. In fact, I have to say that just quoting some of her lines would be much more effective than anything I could come up with. So I'm going to do a little reading here. This is Cynthia Osick. George Orwell in Why I Write asserts that the opinion that art should have nothing to do with politics is itself a political attitude. There are times when one is tempted to agree with him. Yet, inserting politics into literature has, as we have seen, led to the extremist or absurdist notion that Jane Austen, for instance, is tainted with colonialism and slaveholding because Sir Thomas Bertram in Mansfield Park owns plantations in 18th century Antigua. Back to me now. As would be supposed, She holds that not only do politics and writing mix, but it's necessary that they mix. At one point, she also mentions a speech E.M. Forster gave in 1941, arguing for art for art's sake, even at a time when evil was spreading across the continent. And I'm going to quote Osick again now. Art may well be the most worthy of all human enterprises, That is why it needs to be defended. And in a crisis, in a barbarous time, even the artists must be visible among the defending spear carriers. Art at its its crux, certainly the Antigone, doesn't fastidiously separate itself from the human role. Neither should artists. I like to imagine a conversation between Forster and Isaac Babel, let's say in 1939, the year Babel was arrested and tortured, or early in 1940 when he was sentenced to death at a mock trial. History isn't only what we inherit, safe and sound and after the fact. It is also what we ourselves are obliged to endure. There are those human beings both like and unlike ourselves who relish evil, who pursue it? Who make it their cause? Who despise compromise, reason, negotiation? Who, in Forster's words, do evil that evil may come? And then, then the possibility of aesthetic or, order fails to answer. It stands only as a beautiful thought, and it is not sufficient to have beautiful thoughts while the barbarians rage on. I want to repeat that sentence because I highlighted it. And I think it's so important to what we're talking about here. It is not sufficient to have beautiful thoughts while the barbarians rage on. She continues, the best ideal then becomes the worst ideal. And the worst ideal, however comely, is that there are no barbarians or that the barbarians will be so impressed by your beautiful thoughts that they too will begin thinking beautiful thoughts Or that, in actuality, the barbarians are no different from you and me with our beautiful thoughts. And that, therefore, loyalty belongs to the barbarian's cause as much as it belongs to our own. She concludes with this. The responsibility of intellectuals includes also the recognition that we cannot live above or apart from our own time and what it imposes on us that willy-nilly we breathe inside the cage of our generation and must perform within it. Thinkers, whether they count as public intellectuals or the more reticent and less visible sort, are obliged above all to make distinctions, particularly in an age of mindlessly spreading moral equivalence. She mentions how Forster ends his speech with Shelley's well-known quote that, poets are the unacknowledged legislators of the world. And notes the irony that Forster took this as a dictum from Mount Olympus, even while panzers were running roughshod over Europe and the camps were already operating. I like the quote myself. It's very similar to one that I always use, which is, if you can write the stories for a society, it doesn't matter who writes the laws. I do like those quotes, but I'd also certainly not interpret them to mean that poets, or all writers, should withdraw from the world in the hope that the aesthetic beauty of their work alone is enough to improve the world. It just doesn't work that way, folks. Social reform has been a goal of certain types of literature at least since the 19th century. Dickens comes to mind as one example among many. It's always been hard to pinpoint concrete effects literature may have had on politics beyond vaguely influencing readers to feel empathy for people unlike them. One notable exception is the short story The Yellow Wallpaper by Charlotte Perkins Gilman. The story tells of a woman oppressed and driven mad by her doctor husband's, quote unquote, rest cure a real-life treatment popularized by a doctor named Veer Mitchell. After the story was published, Mitchell read it and actually retracted this psychologically destructive treatment method. That is just amazing. Other real-world political effects came, of course, from Harriet Beecher Stowe's Uncle Tom's Cabin and the Muckrakers, including Upton Sinclair's The Jungle. So. Could Kafka be considered a political writer? Is there a spectrum of how political a writer is or how political certain literary themes are? For example, alienation and a sense of outsiderness play a big role in Kafka's work, but is this because of his identity as a hated minority living among another group of oppressed minorities? Or is it because he held views against the imperial and royal Habsburg authorities? What about Chekhov, whose incredibly deft, character-driven portraits seem, on the surface, to be apolitical? Or Zweig, who tried to be apolitical in all his fiction, even while he was working to build a more cultured and cosmopolitan Europe in real life? and who killed himself, we have to say, in Nazi-induced despair in 1942. The answer has to be that obviously, all these writers are very political. And here's, here's, here's my bottom line. All art, including fiction, is political. That holds true even if the author themselves denies it or tries to avoid it. We've been told to never trust the writer but to trust the work. And honestly, I've always believed that, but the more I think about it, the more I I think this seems to be a bit of academic sophistry. In the case of a politics-denying writer, we may do well to keep it in mind, though. The fact is that art production can only happen when the artist is free. Freedom of speech is central to the artist, just as it is for the survival of a free society. There is no escape from politics for a writer or for anybody. We are all bound to the systems of power and human behavior that surround us. To not see this or to deny it only reveals our own privilege. Recently, like many Americans, I feel that the gravity of the political situation demands of all of us to do more. I know other American writers who have told me that they are not able to work lately because of the weight of the 24-7 news cycle. I know others who are trying to produce art or poetry specifically engaging political issues like gun violence, for example. There are probably no absolute answers to any of these questions, but most of their utility comes from their very formulation and expression. In the end, I don't think there's any absolute duty of a writer to bring politics into their works, but it will still always be a good idea and maybe even the best thing we can do. And that's it for Writing News and Writing Mentor. I'm Jeanette de Beauvoir. Thank you for joining me. I'll see you here next time.